You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Episode 9, Season 3 of Leaf Sky. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine intro. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Dave McCarthy from SiriusXM and NHL.com will be by to go over the Leafs. And before we get there, I should pass along this. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a bet on same-game parlays, and combine multiple bets with which team will win, player props, and point totals. Boy, on the past weekend, if you had the Lions over the Bears, there are all kinds of props there. And how about the Vikings in overtime over the Bills? Oh, my goodness. That was the game of the year. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN and place a $5 pregame money line bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code THPN. PN. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. Since we last talked, only two games, but plenty has happened. A 4-2 loss on the Hall of Fame game night at home to Pittsburgh. The following night again at home to Vancouver, a 3-2 win. When I look at the Leafs' schedule, I see a cluster of scores that are eerily similar. There are two performances, one that wins, one that loses. And clearly, since we last talked, we have an example of both. The Pittsburgh game was winnable, but not quite. They lost 4-2, and the following night against Vancouver, a win. And really, they did what they had to do to win, as opposed to the, the night before against Pittsburgh. I hope that makes sense. Let's dive a little deeper on this in our conversation with Dave McCarthy from NHL.com and SiriusXM. Dave, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but when I watch the Leafs play, the winning game is not much different from the losing game. It's just that things just didn't go right. Would you agree with that? Uh, To an extent, what I would say about the Leafs right now, Jim, is that when I show up to the rink each night, um, I never really quite know what team you're going to see. I think that speaks to the inconsistency of this team. Uh, The fact that they played well in that previous home stretch against Boston, Carolina, and Vegas was really impressive to me. I mean, they let the the Vegas game get away at the end, some questionable decisions. Um, That was a real turning point in the season, I thought, where after they came home from the West Coast, uh, after a really poor road trip, if they had played poorly again against some pretty tough teams, the season really could have spun off the rails. So I give them credit for that, for bouncing back. I think there's a lot of, of inconsistency in this team's play. And I think what Sheldon Keith was referring to uh, earlier on in the homestand, I think it was maybe last Tuesday against Vegas, was that it was after the game, in fact. Championship caliber teams um, find ways to close games up, find ways to show consistency where, you know, each night they show up at, you know, generally they're around 95%. Sometimes they play unbelievable games uh, of their abilities. 
rarely do they ever drop below, say, 80-85%. What we see from the Leafs, I find here in the early going of the season through, what, 15 or 16 games, is that against good teams, they'll find ways to raise their play, like against Boston, like against Carolina um, last week. But then against teams that they should beat, the Ducks, the Sharks, the Yotes, it's like they either just throw their sticks on the ice and assume that's going to be enough, or they're just uninterested looking, disinterested looking completely. And that, to me, is really frustrating because you'd think at this point in the evolution of their group, uh, they, they keep trying to suggest that they're a championship-caliber team by, by what we hear. But, but the play, to me, the inconsistency of the play is yet to reflect that. Totally agree with that. And, in fact, uh, even in a win, they don't look like the old Maple Leafs in that they're not offensively dominating anybody. It's, it's just it's a different look, and I don't quite understand why. Well, I don't think there's as much depth on this team as there has been in years past. I, I keep hearing from Sheldon Keyes, it's the deepest forward group I've ever had since I've been here. And I mean, he, he has to deliver the messaging in a way that puts a positive spin on things. Um, if, if we, you know, got him down to the local pub and gave him a pop or two, by the end of the night, I'd like to know if that's what he'd be saying to us behind closed doors, so to speak, because I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think the deepest version of this team, quite frankly, was 16-17 when they had Matthews, Marner, and Nylander uh, on the team in their rookie year. And, you know, Matthews was scoring 40 goals and Marner had 70 points and, and Willie was shooting at the net. You know, and they were not maybe quite as good as, as they evolved into over their careers, but they were still very darn good players. And then you also had Bozak, and you had JVR, and you had Kadri on the team, and you had Connor Brown, you had Zach Hyman. That's depth. That's depth, where you were getting contributions from throughout the lineup. Now, generally speaking, they rely on the top four, uh, Tavares, Matthews, Martin, and Elander. And if they're not scoring, you're not getting scoring from a lot of other sources. Um, from time to time, we've seen Zach Asaris pop in a goal there, uh, recently, that's been good, you know, um, but but it's not consistent, right? And and that's, I think, what we're seeing out of this Leafs team right now is that Tavares, I think, has probably been their best forward. After that, we haven't seen Marner and, uh, Marner and uh, Matthews dominate games yet. Saw kind of an old-style Matthews goal on the weekend there in the power play. It was a great wrist shot, but we haven't seen a lot of goals like that out of Matthews this year. So you're, you're right, it's it's a bit of a different game. That's okay. Maybe it, it forces them into learning how to have a B game, learning how to, to win games a little bit different than, than blowing a team out 6-5, right? Because you, you need to find other ways than that to win in the playoffs. So the fact that they picked up wins here of late is good, but you're right. It, it certainly hasn't looked like the Maple Leafs maybe in the last couple of years where uh, goals seem to be – much more easier to come by, especially from the top group. Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss here. When I look at the Leaf forward unit, as I am right now, uh, I see that the the Camp, Mulgan, Aston, Reese line is their most consistent and does all those little things. The big four uh, isn't really the big four anymore. And then there's this constant shuffle on the left side to figure out how to complement the big four. It, it, to me, this is like a, a – it's, it's totally scattered. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I think that the camp line probably has been their most consistent line. And, and while that's good, that's also bad, 
right? Because um, you're not winning anything if they're going to be your best line night in, night out. Uh, you would like them to be consistent when the lines in front of them, i.e. the guys making all the money, are doing their thing. If that's the case, well, then, then you're in, in decent shape. I, I still don't think the, the Morgan Camp asked the Reese line scores nearly enough, but they are being used more often than not in defensive situations. So that's okay. But that's why I say we talk about depth. I don't know about that because depth to me represents you're getting contributions offensively from throughout your lineup. You're not really getting that often enough. The left side to me is an issue. Uh, Michael Bunting has not been as good as he was nearly last year. Alex Kerfoot is not a, a, a top line player. He, he's just not. Um, people refer to him as a Swiss army knife, not being able to fit in, in most spots that you play does not mean that you are a Swiss Army nice. It means that you don't fit in in most spots that you play. Now, a lot of that's not his fault. I think they have a weakness on the left side right now. And I don't think he should be playing um, in the top six, either with Tavares or with Matthews. If, if you could put him on a third line, then I think you would improve the depth of the team. But then you have a whole friend you need to find somebody to play there. So by, by default, that's where he ends up. I really think, and this is probably not going to be anything that gets addressed prior to the trade deadline because the Leafs are you know, so close up to the cap they couldn't afford you or I right now. And we weren't cheap. We weren't cheap. <laughs> <you know? laughs> they need to go out and get a forward. Like, and not, not a guy that, that you hope can be a top six. A guy that's a top six forward on a team right now today. They need that guy because they have holes, really two, quite frankly, right now um, in, in the top six because, like I said, Bunting has not been near what he was. Kerfoot should not be in that role. And Nick Robertson has been unable to take advantage of the opportunity consistently. So, so that area right now I think is representing a lot of issues for this team. What about the blue line? I mean, Jordy Ben gets in there and scores the game-winning goal, and uh, as I'm watching him play, I think this guy this guy reminds me of Jake Muzzin's little brother. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great one. Like he he, he hit he hits some people on on Saturday night. How about that, eh? Yeah. You know, when we were joking up in the press box, oh no, oh, better cut this. Can't have that. Can't have, yeah. hitting people. No, no good here. No, I, I loved Jordy Ben's game. I really did. And, and what a great comparison, Jake Muzzin's little brother. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there was just, there was a steadiness. There was a methodical nature to his game. Um, he didn't get caught running all over the ice uh, the way Justin Hall does at times where, man, like if, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm, I'm strapping Justin Hall to a chair and I'm showing him Jake Muzzin film and Jordy Ben film from Saturday and be like, be that guy. Just do that. Don't run around. Don't try to transport the puck. You're not Kale McCarr. Don't end up behind the offensive goal every shift. Don't do that. Be those guys and um, you'll be much, much better. And I thought Jordy Ben, that's exactly what he did. I mean, yes, he ended up on the doorstep, um, but it was the right time to be there, right? Because he had support. 
Morgan Riley uh, shifted over, and that kind of pushed him down. He knew he had support. He got a shot off, and it came off the inboards and he put it in. But, you know, I, I have no doubt that if he, he took a shot, didn't go in, he would have been right back toward the blue line. He wouldn't have gone behind the net. So I, I really like Jordy Ben's game. I hope he stays in the lineup now for, for the time being. Um, he, he played so effectively, quite honestly, that I actually forgot he's 35 years of age. Like he played like, like he played like he was maybe, th- I knew he was older, right? But he played like he was 30, 35. He's getting up there. But man, he played good. He played really, really good. I, I think he deserves to stay in the lineup. I really, really liked his game. Uh, the coach liked his game. You know, I think there's some other guys on that blue line right now that could use resets, so to speak. Um, a guy like Hall, though, I will say Hall of late has been better. I think he's been really good on the penalty kill. I will give him that. I will give him that. It's only fair to give credit where it's due. I think he's been good penalty killing. Even strength, though, still concerns me deeply. Um, I think Rasmus Sandin, I don't know about you, Jim, is a guy that maybe could use a game or two reset. He's been maybe a little bit better of late, but um, I thought he struggled here in the early going to get up and running after missing a few days of camp. And I still think he's going to be fine, but maybe a reset, sit down for a couple games, just catch your breath. Um, might not be the worst thing. And uh, the way Jordy Ben's playing, like I said, I think that guy deserves to be in the lineup at the moment. Okay, so so two things come out of what you just said there. I'll go. To, this is the easy one to deal with. You, you're saying that Jordy Ben added structure to that blue line, and when you detailed Hall, you, you were sort of talking about him losing the structure and regaining it. So having said all of that, uh, if you have a blue line, and the Pittsburgh game's a good example where they spent a lot of time in their own zone, and, and you could go back to the Penguins' goals, and you'd find that it was because the, the, the zone coverage broke down. They were on the ice yeah. too long. The puck was in that zone too long. So if you're spending time in your own zone, that means you're not getting the puck out in an efficient manner. Now, if you admit that, and you have that set of forwards, you can see there'd be a log jam. You know, you can't get the puck to the forwards fast enough. They get lost at sea, and that kind of describes what we're seeing, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the goal on uh, Friday against Pittsburgh there, uh, I guess it was the with the Malkin goal, I think, um, the first one, I think. It, it hit T.J. Brody in front, um, and then the rebound just sat there. I think, I think it was Malkin, banged it in. Um, and that was, you know, a situation where you, you lose the guy in coverage and then it's, it's, it's a block shot and there's no one to pick him up. Um, and, and then it's, it's really a simple goal. So, uh, the, the thing I would say about Jordy Ben though, is we have to be careful. We don't get carried away here. Um, I don't think the guy is someone that can play 23 minutes. I think if you use him on the penalty kill and, and his ice time ends up, you know, around 16, 19 minutes, You'll be okay with that. You start getting north of that, I think you get into some trouble. Because um, he's not top pairing defenseman. But I thought he, he played very, very structured. And like I said, methodically. Because it, it, he's not the most fleet of foot. But it seemed like he was really efficient in how he moved the puck. He, he, he seemed quick, I think, because he moved the puck quickly. So it didn't turn into a situation where you don't get it out and now you're on your heels, you're running around and you're chasing guys and then you seem slow. Puck on a stick, up, out of trouble, um, and away you go. So um, I agree with, with what you said. Um, I just think use Jordy Ben effectively. He deserves to stay in the lineup right now. Uh, that said, though, I still think 
you know, that, that to me is, is the two areas that Kyle Dubas needs to address before the deadline. And I know it's easy to say, and I'm sure there's a lot of teams that, that would love a top six forward and a top four defenseman. But, you know, that's, he's the manager, it's his job. And he's got to try and find a way to do that because I think those are two glaring holes on this team right now. If they can find a way to improve, say, upon Justin Hall and either slide him down the lineup, um, that would go a long way. And like we just talked about uh, up front, they, they need a guy up front in the top six to play on the wing on the left. Yeah, I mean, so Ben is, is to me, a rotating defenseman and a good number seven. He's in and out, uh, but he plays, uh, he, he does what he has to do. Uh, Aston Reese, Camp, and Morgan do what they have to do. And here's the problem with the Leafs. you got these three guys on the left side. Robertson's stock goes up and down. Uh, you, you know, you've got Kerfoot, who, as you said, really should be lower in the lineup, and Bunsen is disappointed. And you've got a bunch of defensemen that run around. Uh, they're trying to sort of fill a void that I don't know what, what the void is. But you've got a bunch of people that, are, that aren't doing what they have to do, and then you've got a small collection of people that are, and then you're, you're, what you're doing is wasting the big four. Yep. Yep. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. There, like I said, I still think there there lacks some cohesion with this group because it yeah. it seems to be a bit like ad hoc the way they're trying to go about winning games. Um, you know, I, I just don't see a lot of cohesion with their group right now. So, I think there's some areas that that this team can improve upon. You know, even even third line center right now seems to be in flux. Yeah. They've tried a lot of guys in that role over the last 10 games. Like Willie Nylander's been in that role. Uh, Pontus Holmberg got a game in that role. Uh, Callie Yarncroft's got a game in that role. Pierre Engvall has been in that role more often than not. And, you know, Sheldon Keefe said in that situation, um, it, it's fine for now, but I thought the for now was really telling, which, again, like, you know, that, that to me was the same as when DJ Smith referred to his blue line as adequate in the summertime, which, which was to say, I hate my blue line. I'm very deeply concerned, and I think it's going to cause us problems. Um, when a coach says, for now, it basically means the same thing. Like, it's okay, but I can't, can't say that I'm all too inspired by the confidence that this guy is providing me. And I think that's the, the issue right now. So I think what happens is you end up falling in love with, with players. Certainly fans do. And, well, that's so-and-so. And that's where he plays. And, you know, that's our guy. How can that, – that's just who plays there. Well, I think you need to look at some areas. If, if you want to be a championship caliber team and say, well, where can we improve upon uh, the guy in that particular role? Now, I think Pierre Engvall is, is a guy that they can improve upon. He, to me, he's a frustrating player because – He's built like Atlas, I'll tell you. Like, it's just unbelievable the physical specimen that this guy is. But, man, he plays like he's five foot six, And, and that's really, really frustrating for a guy that, that has the, the tools that he does. He doesn't use them nearly effectively uh, enough to me. So I think that's another area that, that needs some attention, whether they can fill that internally with somebody, whether that's Alex Kerfoot, right? If, if they end up if they end up picking up a top six forward and you shift him down in the in the lineup, can he take on that role? Um, maybe, but but there's another area where it just it has not been nearly consistent enough. 
So we've got a bit of a theme here. I think that, you know, if your fourth line is defined, if you can get the third line to define itself, whether by shuffling players or or the ones that are there, I think these things are non-negotiable on a winning team, that that these two lines have specific things to do, and that sets the table for the top two lines. So, you know, it's not happening. We've got a a blue line that doesn't have the the clear out or exit on their – uh, when they have the puck, and, and that's all these things are jamming up the the skill players up front, and it's just it, there's almost one too many problems there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's true, right? Because let, let's let's make it clear, Matthews and Marner were great last year, but they had a guy in their wing who was who was really contributing to that line in, in Michael Bunting. Um, that's not been the case this year, and as a result, I think their play has suffered to an extent. Because as good as they are as a duel, Matthews and Marty, like <laughs> there's five guys on the ice for a reason. You can't you can't just play with, you know, four, so to speak, right? You need that third guy to really do a job, um, like Zach Hyman did prior to that. They haven't found anybody in that in that role right now. Same thing with Tavares and Nylander, and I think they've been quite frankly better than Marner and Matthews this year. But there's been a lot of inconsistency on their wings, so. Uh, yeah, there there are problems here, and you know what I would say is that again, this team wants to consider itself a championship caliber team. It's not near that right now. A year ago, this time, and and like I was saying on my show a couple of weeks ago, the the amount of parity throughout the game is it's just wild. Like really, really, there's so many teams that are just in the mix right now. And I don't think really a team or two has separated itself yet to the extent where you can say, oh, man, like that team is going to be a force. Like a year ago this, this time, Jim, we looked at Colorado, and it was like, oh, geez, like these guys are ready, right? Yeah. These guys are ready to win a Stanley Cup. Tampa, the way they were playing, it's like these guys are, are ready to get back to another Cup final. And it looked like they had separated themselves from the pack. Leafs aren't in that position yet at all. Not nearly. They're in the mix with a bunch of other good teams. But they haven't separated themselves yet. And I think each year, you you, you usually get a few teams, two, three, four, five teams, where it's like, okay, there's a lot of good teams in the league, but these guys are in a stratosphere a little bit above that. At least have never gotten that stratosphere, and they've yet to do so again this year. And, and I guess, I guess what I would say is that for where they are in, in the arc, the evolution of their team, like Colorado, who seemed to be banging on the door for a number of years before they finally pushed through, and then last year it became clear they were ready to win. Leafs, Leafs haven't got there yet. It's, it's maybe a little bit frustrating because you'd think they would be there by now, but I think that goes back to. To, to the point we were making earlier, at least I was making, not to put words in your mouth, that I don't think they're as deep as, as certainly Sheldon Keefe in public is suggesting they are. Colorado last year had had really found a, a way to round out their team and and to fill out that roster where roles were clearly defined. Um, there were there were elite players in each role. Like obviously, if you're playing on the third line, you're not Nathan McKinnon, but for a third-line player in Colorado last year, the guys they had in those roles were elite in those roles. Leafs don't have that right now, and that's why I just think they're another 
good team that's in the mix, but far from a championship caliber team. Yeah, totally agree. The Leafs are in a, in a boat with a lot of other teams. We didn't expect they would be there. There's still plenty of ice left, but we'll see how that develops. Let's end on this. Yes guy, no guy. Yes guy, oh, no baby. guy number one. Yeah, yes guy, no guy number one. Constant line shuffling means eventual trade. Yes, yes. Constant line shuffling means that. Uh, they, the format is yes guy, no guy. I expect a yes guy answer, please. I said yes guy. No, you said yes. Oh, yes, guy. My my bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, guy. It, yeah. the, the constant shuffling suggests a search for answers, and you can rearrange the deck chairs however you like. I don't think the answers for all the issues that we discussed lie internally. They, they, they must go out and bring in some answers from outside. Yes, guy. No, guy number two. Shelgren has saved the day. Yes, guy. Um, goaltending coming into the year, I thought would be a concern. And if you had told me, Jim, <laughs> that by the beginning of November, uh, both Murray and Samsonov would be on the shelf, then I would have been really concerned. But Eric Schalgren has been just fine. Here's another one. Yes, guy, no guy. It's now been determined that Jake Muzzin dressed up as Jordy Ben for Halloween. <laughs> uh yes guy because yeah he he did Jordy Ben look a lot like Jake Muzzin and man they they miss what Jake Muzzin brings when he is at his best because he he's just that that methodical style of defenseman it doesn't generally get himself into a in, into a tight spot he understands his game um I I don't get the sense that Jake Muzzin's ever coming back unfortunately, based on, on who I've talked to and what I've heard. Um, so, you know, that's really unfortunate for the Leafs as a hockey team. It's good for him as an individual because hopefully means he, he doesn't put himself in any future risk. You don't want his, the rest of his life to be jeopardized. It's just not worth it. But they miss a guy like that. And, and Jordy Ben, probably a, a poor man, Jake Muzzin. Jake, I think, at his best could play 23 minutes a night. I don't think Jordy can. But if you can get Jordy into a spot, like we talked about earlier, where he can make a contribution, if that's the seventh guy coming in periodically or even, you know, 12 to 15 minutes a night on your bottom pairing, be an effective penalty killer, bring a bit of a different element to the blue line like uh, Ilya Labushkin did last year with some grit and physicality and, and ruggedness. And that's an ingredient that is in far too short supply on this Leafs team. Dave McCarthy, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross, for the time warning. So we have enough time to slip in a supplemental yes guy, no guy on the way out. Yes guy, no guy. This team needs more work than originally expected. Oh, an emphatic, a hard, all capital letters. Yes, guy. Certainly does. We'll see where it ends up. Right now, it's at the negotiable stage. I want to thank you for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed Episode 9, Season 3 of Leafs Guy. Hope you come back next week for Episode 10.